0: Hey, this is Shane Ballenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. So we're in the middle of our inflated series. Actually, this is the last week of our inflated series. And all month long, we've been talking about our finances in the midst of an inflated inflated economy. And Pastor Nicole kicked off the series by talking about what tithing is, what it means, what it looks like, all of those sort of things. And then uh, the next week, we talked about the responsibility that we have to be good stewards of all that we have been given. We have a responsibility to take care of what you have and what, what you've been blessed with. And then last week, we talked about how God doesn't want something from us Rather, he wants something for us. Because a lot of times we look at tithing, we look at our finances in regards to the church, and we think, man, God's just taking from me. God wants something from me. What else does he want from me? And the truth is, he doesn't want something from you. Rather, he wants something for you. He wants you to realize the freedom that there is in trusting God. So we're going to continue that conversation of trust today. But but before we do that, I want to ask you, when's the last time you looked at a dollar bill? I got a picture behind me. And for the kids in the room, this is a dollar bill. Okay? I know that you may not recognize it because we just have these like plastic cards where it's like free money, right? But this is, this is what a dollar bill looks like behind me. And I'm going to give you some interesting facts about, a, about the $1 bill. Okay? The $1 bill is made up of 75% cotton and 25% linen. And it's made up with those things so that it is durable, so that it will last and it costs, one, a one dollar bill costs about six cents to make. For every dollar bill is six cents. There's a pyramid right down here at the bottom. You See this pyramid down there at the bottom? There's a pyramid and what it means, I didn't know any of this until I did this research this week. But the pyramid um, has 13 steps on the pyramid to represent the original colonies of the United States. But the pyramid remains unfinished on purpose. The reason why it's unfinished is because it's sending a message of, hey, there's always more work to do. There's always ways for us to grow. There's always ways for us to, to improve. And actually, the number 13 is everywhere on the dollar bill. There's a bunch of different, different examples. For example, in this little uh, eagle down here in the bottom, I know it's kind of hard to see, but in his left talon, there are 13 arrows To represent the 13 um, uh, uh, colonies. And then the great seal on it has 13 stripes and 13 stars, and 13 letters are at the base of the pyramid as well. So it's all representing the 13 colonies um, in the the United States when when we first started. The $1 bill typically circulates for about 5.8 years until it is pulled out of circulation. That's about how long it, it lasts before it's either destroyed or, or it, it just isn't worth keeping around anymore. And that's compared to the $100 bill, lasts about 15 years in circulation because there's a little bit less of them, right? And we don't use them quite as often. In 2015, there were 11.8 billion $1 bills in circulation. So that's just $1 bills. So there's a ton of them floating, floating around out there. But right across the biggest thing that I want to point out to you, which I'm sure that you've seen before or maybe you haven't or maybe you just saw it at one point and you forgot, but right across the back of the, of the dollar bill says a phrase, right? And the phrase is, in God we trust. Which is interesting that it's listed, if you don't see it right here, right above where it says one, it says, in God we trust. And today, that's, that's really what we're focusing on. Today's not as much about money as it is about trust, because when it comes down to your money, when it comes down to your finances, it's all about trust. It's all about whether or not you do trust God to take care of you, whether you do trust how you take care of your own finances or however it is that you look at it. But let me start by asking you this question. Do you have trouble trusting people in general? And you don't have to raise your hand, but like, think about it for yourself do you, are you like a trusting person, or are you not trusting of very many people around you whatsoever? Who do you trust? Do you trust your best friend? Do you trust your spouse? Do you trust your parent? Do you trust your teenager? Right? I don't know. Do you? Do, who do you trust? What? I'm just kidding. You should trust your teenager. But you. Who do you trust? Think about it. Think of who that person is, because typically there are only a few people that we really trust, and it is normally the people that are closest to us, and the people that we kind of know the best. Now, between Lauren and I, I am actually a pretty trusting person. Like, I, I think that everybody is a potential best friend of mine. That's how I view people. Like people... I, when I, whenever I like, I go to 7-Eleven and I'm like, I want to get to know this store clerk behind the counter because maybe he could be a good person to have in my life that we could be friends. I don't know, maybe, but I'm not ruling anybody out. And so I try, I, I'm not lying to you. I intentionally try, in our, in our community group, you're in my community group that meets on Tuesday nights. We talked about this before. We're like, some people said that they look outside their, their window and it's like, okay, no neighbors are out. Now I'm going to leave to go get in the car so I don't have to talk to anybody, right? I'm the opposite, I wait till I see somebody outside. And I'm like, oh good, the neighbor's outside, I'm going to leave now so I can say hi to them. And people were terrified. They're like, there's people like that that's waiting for me to leave my house. I thought, yeah, I'm one of them. But I just generally trust people. I love, I, 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 now it doesn't mean that I haven't been burned, it doesn't mean that, that there aren't people that I don't trust, right? But I'm a generally trusting person. And that, but most of us, I realize, are not that way. You've got like two, three people where you're like, yeah, I can trust them, but mm, I, don't, I don't trust anybody outside of my circle because it can be scary to put your trust and faith in someone else or something else. A few years ago... When I was a teenager, I played in a band, I've talked about this before, um, it was a ridiculous band, it was a screaming band and all those sort of things, and so um, we, we would have a lot of fun. And one of the things that we would do, our guitarist, would, they would take their guitar and he would... Spin it around his body. I don't know if you've ever seen any bands do, do this or anything But he would spin it around his body We would throw our guitars to each other in the air and and all this sort of things So we're at one particular show where um, our guitarist spun his guitar backwards around his body, right? And then it came around this way and then he caught it and then threw it right back all in like one motion And we would do, the, do this like every show. It's really dumb, but we would do it, okay? So I was, I, I, I played the bass guitar, so I'm playing and, and I knew that he was doing this, but I had my back turned to him and he's like this way and he does this, but when he goes to throw his guitar back, he takes a step back and the guitar just hits me directly on top of my head, like just spot on top of my head. And I felt it and I was like, okay, I'm just going to ignore that this happened right now and I'm just going to keep, keep going and keep playing and then, I, and then I put my hand on my head, and then I looked at my hand, and it was just blood just dripping all down my hand. And I was like, I'm getting a little sleepy now, and I just go down to the ground, right? I ended up having to get seven staples in the top of my head. So whenever I do go bald in my life, it's, I know there's just going to be this giant scar just right across the top of my head. But I trusted him, and he violated my trust, right? Like, I trusted him. I thought he knew what he was doing. He did not. Right? So it's like one of the first moments where I, where I remember being like, oh, even though he had good intentions, even though he didn't try to hurt me, even though he didn't want to hit me in the top of my head with his guitar, he did. And I trusted him to not do that. Now he felt terrible and it was, it was great. I wasn't upset with him by any means. I knew it wasn't on purpose and it was, just, it was an accident. But That happens, right? Sometimes you're like, I trusted this. I trusted you. I thought that you would protect me and take care of me. And maybe you feel that way in regards to God. You're like, I trusted you with my life. And still my life ended up somewhere that I didn't want it to go. It it ended up somewhere that, that I didn't want it to be. God, how can I trust you again? This isn't fair to me. And we can get so frustrated Many of us, many of us struggle with this because you've been burned throughout your life. Maybe, maybe you got to a place, and, and if you haven't, maybe you should get to a place where you're like, I struggle to trust the news now, right? Because I don't know what every, I, any information that you receive, no matter what side of wherever it is that you land, it's all biased information. How do I get honest, good information? And now we don't trust. The media. We don't trust the news. We don't trust the information that our best friend is telling us. Because where did you get that information from? And there's all this lack of trust across everywhere, everywhere, and it bleeds into our life. Maybe you've been burned by your church somewhere or another throughout your life. Then it caused you not to trust the church. Maybe, maybe the church. Maybe this church. I hope not. But maybe there have been people in this church who have hurt you. Maybe there has been people in the church that you grew up in that, that, that really hurt you. It changes our perspective when we go down that road. And many people feel like the church, especially whenever we talk about money, is always trying to get something out of you. Like, what, what does the church want? Do they want my money? Do they, do they, do they just look at me as a number? So that, their, so that their numbers can be higher? Do they just look at me as another butt in the seat? Do, what, do they even really care about me? Do they just look at me as, as a babysitter for, for childcare? Do they just look at me as whatever, fill in the blank? And there's this whole lack of trust. And many times, people don't trust the church because the church hasn't been trustworthy. We have to be honest about that as a church. There have been many, many, many churches who have not been trustworthy. The church is made up of people. And sometimes people aren't the best. Sometimes people make mistakes, and sometimes people intentionally do things wrong. All across the board. But I want to encourage you to not let your lack of trust in the church influence your lack, influence your trust in God. The church may have burned you. That is absolutely true in many cases throughout history. The church may have burned you. God did not. And we can't can't confuse the two. A Christian may have burned you. God did not. There There is a difference. And the sad part is that even though the church is representing Jesus, we still fall short. And people fall short. But God never Does see we often try to do everything on our own, right? And 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 we don't want pity from other people. We don't we don't want we don't always want help from other people. A lot of times we're like I want to I want to do it on my own. I I I don't like asking for help to do things. Do you ever see a kid try to tie their shoes and they have no idea how to do it? And you're looking at them and you're like, Oh my goodness, please can I? Would you just let me help you? Especially when you're late getting out the door, right? My kids are in that phase where they're like, I want to do it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, please, please. Will you just, I will do this in two seconds and then we can get out of the door. And they're like trying to figure it out. And and I'm like, well, it's Velcro first off, right? They can't, (laughs) they're just confused, they're lost. And I know if you just let me help you, then I can teach you and then you can do it yourself. It's not that I always want to do it for you. I don't always want to do it for you. I just want to help you and I want to teach you. I want want to get you going in the right direction. And it's so frustrating when I know how to do it and somebody else doesn't let me help. Do you get frustrated with that or is that just me? And it doesn't have to be kids. It could be anybody. I know how to do this. Just let me help. So I want to talk to you about putting your, your trust in God to provide in your life. So we're going to read Philippians 4. Uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 20. So it's a, it's a longer passage, but it's an important passage. And this, like I said, this is not necessarily about money. This is, this is all entirely about, about trust. This is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi, by the way. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I don't know if we've all learned that very often. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica... "'You sent me aid more than once when I was in need. "'Not that I desire your gifts. "'What I desire is that, is that more be credited to your account. "'I have received full payment and have more than enough. "'I am amply supplied now that I have received from, "'from Epaphroditus, that's a hard one to say, "'the gifts you sent. "'They are a fragrant offering, "'an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, "'and my God will meet all your needs "'according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus.' To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as I said, this is this is a letter written from Paul to the church in Philippi. And this is definitely, without a doubt, Paul's happiest letter that he ever wrote. At least recorded, that, that we have today. It's the happiest letter. So typically, we would assume that Paul wrote this when things were going really well. Right? I mean, he's talking about like. Man, I have everything that I need. This is great. You have taken care of me. I'm so thankful that you have taken care of me. And because you took care of me, God is taking care of you. Like that—that's what he's saying. So, uh, to me, reading this, I'm like, oh, he's got—he's got his salary lined up. He's got his 401k lined up, right? It may, maybe the stocks are going well. Everything's in the green. He's, life is going well. He has everything that he wants. He's got this great big house. He's he, all this stuff, right? But in reality, Paul wrote this while sitting in a prison cell, which is wild. Like when, when you think about what we just read, and maybe, maybe you knew this already, that, that Paul wrote this from a prison cell, which is, which is great. Maybe you didn't. The first time that I ever read this, I didn't know that this was written from a prison cell. So I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. I guess that his life's going well at this moment. His life is actually going well. Horribly at this moment, literally in prison. but you would never know it. You would never know it. Maybe maybe he has all of his needs met, right? Like maybe he's writing from a nice office, he has an established congregation that he's speaking to, he has all the money. no, none of that. Actually, he doesn't even know if he's going to make it out alive. But no, Paul wrote his happiest letter, while in the confines of a jail cell. And when we understand the setting of this letter, it really kind of puts things into perspective for us. So so there's a few things that I want to point out from this passage. The first thing that we see is something that is simple, yet yet we rarely do. It's realize that God's near. God's, God's here. He's with us. He's close. We just have to open our eyes to it. And Paul talks about it right away. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And you're sitting there going, easier said than done, Paul. Easier said than done. And yeah, I would agree. That is easier said than done. Like, Paul, well, you should talk to my therapist. You don't know what I've been diagnosed with. And I'm not trying to minimize any of that because those are real things. Anxiety is real. Depression is real. There's no doubt about it, and I believe that medicine can help with that, and I believe that therapists can help with that. I also believe that Jesus is the ultimate source of hope in any area of our life. So often, we have things going on in our lives that are just wearing us down, just beating us down, and maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you you should have seen the week that I had. Things did not go the way that I expected. Things did not go the way that I wanted them to. It was so difficult. And and you're just beat down. And it's taken all of you just to get here this morning and praise God that you did. But it's so easy to look at our lives and be like, can I just get a break? And we feel so worn down and beat down. But the hard part is and the sad part is that most of us, when we do feel that way, we don't actually talk to God about it. Rather, we just complain about it. We don't actually slow down and say, man, this this was the difficult week. God, let me me just spend some time with you. We don't do that, most of us. We rarely do that. And this this may not be a groundbreaking or or an earth-shattering thought for you this morning, but it is a point that we don't always consider. We don't always realize how close God is. Maybe you realize he's close when you're here, which is great because God is here. You know a lot of sometimes in church we may even say things like God we invite you in this space as if he needs an invitation. As if God's like waiting on the outside like I hope they open the doors this morning like he's not he's not waiting for us to invite him. God is here. So instead of us saying God we invite you, I think our prayer should be God may we realize that you've always been here and that you always will be here. No matter where I go, no matter where I am, God, no matter what the situation is, and sometimes we come to church on Sundays, and we're like, okay, let me reconnect, as if he's only available now. He's not. He's available every day of the week. He's available every minute of the day. He's available when you're in bed. He's available when you're in work. He's available when you're at school. He's available everywhere that you go. We just need to realize it. We just need to open our eyes to it. But like what... This is one of those things that we often just so take for granted. I know I do. I take this for granted. The availability of the creator of the universe, and I take it for granted? (laughs) What's wrong with me? Right? Like, when you think about it that way, when you're like, oh, literally God who can do anything and everything, and I take him for granted. And I don't spend time with them. And I don't talk to them. Because when I'm dealing with life, oftentimes I don't feel like I have the time. I don't feel like I have the time to slow down. God, if I slow down, then my problems are just going to keep mounting. God, if I talk to you about it, God, if, if, I, if, I, if I spend time with you in the middle of this, I'm not going to be solving my problems as if you're the one who can solve your problems. This is is the freedom that that we've been talking about, getting to a place where if you're so overwhelmed with life, if you're so overwhelmed with your finances, and you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm just so bogged down by everything, well, don't allow it to bog you down. And here's how you don't allow it to bog you down. Realize, realize that you are not in control. Praise God that you're not. You're not in control, and because you're not in control, God doesn't just say, hey, you have no control over everything, and he just throws you in the deep end and says, sink or swim. That's not what he does. No, no, no. Instead, what he does is say, hey, you're not in control of everything. I am. Because I am, I told you I will take care of you. I will provide for you. See, we are the kids trying to tie our shoes, and we don't know how. And God is sitting there going, hello, hello, wake up. I can do it. Look at me. I can help you. I, I will show you. I will take care of you. And we're just going, oh, I can't figure this out. And we're so frustrated. And, we're, and we think. And then when, when our frustration mounts so much, then what we do is we blame God for it. If, if, if your kid was like, this is your fault my shoes aren't tied. He'd be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, you go barefoot. Thank You know what? Go barefoot. I don't care, right? Like, you're on your own. But God says, no, trust me. Look at me. But there's an, also another important thing in this verse. The peace of God transcends all understanding. The peace of God transcends all understanding. Do you know what that means? What that means is this we won't always understand what God is doing, we won't always get it. And guess what? God doesn't owe you an explanation. (laughs) He doesn't need to fill you in. You're not in charge. It's not like God is like, hey, I just need to send this up the ladder and make sure that you approve of this. He doesn't need your permission, He doesn't need my permission. So the peace of God, when we talk about peace and we say, oh, I want peace in my life. But then it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning, oh, I'm going to have peace, but I'm not going to know exactly what's going on all the time. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. Do you ever just go on a trip that that somebody else planned everything for you and you're just along for the ride? Do you know how great that is? You're like, oh. Well, what time's a car picking me up? Oh, I got to come here this time. Oh, perfect. Do I need to call and make dinner reservations? No, I already did it for you. Oh, well, where are we staying? Oh, I booked this place for you. Oh, well, what activity are we doing? Oh, I reserved it this time. Like, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's going to be the best possible vacation you ever had. Like, that, that is, that's what we're talking about the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Meaning, we, we may have questions. We may be confused at times. We we may feel like we're doing a trust fall. I don't know if you're good at trust falls or not. But in the end, in the end, God says, I've got you. I'm taking care of you. Realize that I'm near. We don't understand everything because we can't understand everything, because our perspective is so narrow. You only see life through your eyes. You only see life through your perspective, right? You can't see life through my eyes, but God doesn't see life only through your eyes. So maybe if we're a little bit less, less self-centered and we realize that this world doesn't revolve around me and maybe there's a better plan in store than what I could think of, but we're so arrogant that we think that we know best all the time. It's wild. It's wild to think about. See, as a kid, I never understood why my dad went to Home Depot all the time. Never understood it. It's like, that place is terrible. Wait, you're going to Home Depot to buy things to come home and work? And you're excited about it? What a freak. I don't get it. And now I'm a dad. And now I'm a homeowner. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go to Home Depot. (laughs) Just walk in and you just breathe in the air and you're like, yeah. This is great, right? I'm going to go build something with my bare hands. And, we get, and, and it's, a different, it's a different thing, right? When you actually accomplish something, when you build something, and when you did it on your own, you're like, yes, I accomplished this. But as a kid, I'm like, why would you ever want to do that? I didn't understand, and now my perspective has changed. So then how do we trust God to provide? How? Because how you're like, okay, yes, I want to trust. How? Here's how you do it. Pursue what's right. This, this is where it all starts. This is where everything starts. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The problem is we don't think about what is right. We don't think about what is good, we think about all the terrible things that can go wrong at any given time. We're just waiting for the other shoe to drop in our lives. Well, God, if I, if I tithe and I give you that 10%, then how am I going to meet these bills? If I, if I don't have that money, then I'm gonna miss this, I'm gonna miss this, I'm gonna miss this. God, if I give my time in this way, then I'm not gonna be able to do these other things. And we think of all of the terrible things that could happen in our life, and we're missing out on the fact that God says, hey, just think about what's true. Think about what's noble. Think about what's right. Think about what's pure. Think about what's lovely. Think about what's admirable, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy. Think about those things. Live in that world. If you live in that world, then you will understand all the ways that I have been providing for you every step of the way of your entire life. And you'll see those things and you'll be like, oh, I don't have to worry about anything, I don't have to be concerned. Look at all these great things that God has done in my life. And maybe you look back on your life and you, and you could say, there's nothing good that's happened in my life, and I would challenge you on that. Doesn't mean you haven't had a difficult life. Doesn't mean that you weren't dealt a bad hand. But there's nobody who has gone through their entire life and nothing good has happened for them. And I'm not, I've, please me on this, I'm not trying to minimize your difficulties. I'm not trying to minimize what you've dealt with in your life. But what I am saying is, pursue what is pure. How often do we waste our time on things that are useless? We're really good at wasting our time. See, maybe you, you are in a position right now where you're trying to trust God to provide in an area in your life and you're struggling. You're like, God, I... I don't know, God, I'm worried about this, God, please, you're struggling. And then you start taking things back on your plate, because it's not happening on your timetable. Look at what you know is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And when you see those things, you see God. And when you see God, you have peace. That's the truth. When God's involved, peace, which transcends all understanding. You may look around you and you you may say, Well, I don't see a whole lot of things that are right in this world right now. And we can be so overwhelmed by the terrible things that happen. And and I understand that, right? Because we're consuming what? The news. We're consuming social media. We're consuming gossip. We're consuming all these other things. And what we don't realize is that negativity sells in our world. That's what sells. See, those, all of those outlets are not trying to sell you peace, they're trying to sell you negativity. And they're selling you negativity so that you panic, and so that you're worried, and that you keep turning to them for the answers, as if they have it. Listen to us, I know what's best for you. But the problem is, they don't have your interests in mind, they have their interests in mind. This is This is important. And, and if you're sitting here right now and you're going, yeah, all of those Fox News people, they should be listening to this. It's the same everywhere. doesn't matter what side you're on. If you're sitting there going, and if you're sitting on the other side going, oh, all those people who watch CNN, they're a bunch of idiots. They're getting terrible information. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. There's only one thing that's trustworthy. One. And it doesn't involve people. It involves God. That's it. If you put your trust or your faith in anything else, if you feel like you're not at peace right now, I want you to ask yourself, what am I consuming? Where am I turning? What what am I receiving? And if you're receiving things from all those things that I just talked about, no wonder you're worried. No wonder you're filled with anxiety. No wonder pursue God, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And it doesn't mean that you just ignore terrible things in the world. It's a reality of our world. But I want to consume the good things that God has offered because it changes your perspective. God's at work all around you, providing all around you. You just have to realize it. He's doing big things all around you. See, think about about how we have the opportunity to help families every single week. Think Think about how God has changed your life personally. Think about how you are not alone in this life. Think about all the ways that God has provided for you. Think about how you're still here despite all of the crazy stuff that has happened in your life. Think about how God says, I will protect you. I will provide for you, and I will not fail you." This this is newsflash. You're here. You made it this far. You're still alive. You're still breathing. Hope is not lost. We could live our life in a way that says all hope is gone, And we can go hide in our corner of our bedroom. Or we could say, hope is not lost. Hope is found. And I am accepting the peace which transcends all understanding. And somebody may come along and say, "Well, why do you believe in God? And you're like, "Ah, how do I explain this? You can't. Do you know why? Because it's a peace which transcends all understanding. But you found it. You found it. And there's nothing more important than your relationship with him. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close. And we're also going to um, receive communion. So I'm going to invite my two, two ushers up that I spoke with about uh, helping, me, helping me with communion. And whenever, whenever we take communion, it's a reminder of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Right over here, guys, right there. Thanks who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done. This is grace that is being given to us. Communion is a sacrament. It's something that we we look at and we recognize. It's a means of grace and it's a reminder to us of what God has done and how Jesus has gone above and beyond for you. For you. So that you could live. So that you could have hope. All that we have to do is accept it. It's so simple, and we think that it's too simple to actually be true. It's so simple. Because we think there's always a catch. So here's a city on a hill. You don't have to be an owner or a member of our church to receive communion. All that you have to be is a believer in Jesus Christ. All are welcome to the table. And uh, just for logistics, um, we're going to invite you to come in a moment, and you'll come out the outside of, your, of the aisle, down to the front, receive the elements, and come back to the middle to your seat. And we'll, we'll partake together in a moment, and I'll lead us in that. I believe that there, if you need gluten-free wafers right here in this bowl over there, you can have some gluten-free free wafers. But like I said, anytime we do communion, eliminate all distractions. Eliminate anything that's, that's blocking you from recognizing what Jesus is doing and focus on one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. May, may you come and receive communion.